welcome to the Legal Merry-Go-Round, where you can learn to avoid the downs and savor the ups. Here, 40-year veteran attorney Paul Samico will entertain you and help you understand the law in areas we might all face. Brushes with the police? Oh boy. Family disputes? Oh no. An injury and accident situations? Ouch. And now, here's Paul. Hi. Hello. Thank you for your ear. You are now uh, sitting wherever you are on a Monday. And if you've been listening to my show in the past, you know that I call my podcast shows on Mondays, Marital Mondays. This is the legal merry-go-round where I want you always to avoid the downs and savor the ups. I am your host, attorney Paul Samico. And when I tell you, avoid the downs and savor the ups, folks, I don't mean just legally. I want you to have a sensational, a spectacular life. And that means getting rid of the downs. You know, that's just negative energy. Get rid of it and savor the ups. Enjoy the good times. Enjoy the successes. Enjoy that hug from your granddaughter or your grandson, that smile of your spouse. Today, again, Marital Mondays, as you know, if you've been a listener, and I thank you for that, by the way, very much. This is about family matters. Unfortunately, because there's not a lot in the law to talk about with good stuff in family matters, it's bad stuff. And sometimes it's good because a bad marriage, hopefully if the people can be civil and Uh, professional and courteous and polite to each other as their marriage dissolves, then that's a good thing. Remember, uh, they at once were in love and decided to get together and okay, it didn't work out. So that's not the end of the world. Doesn't mean they're bad people. But more often than not, the law comes from the things that people do within the marriage or outside of the marriage or when the marriage is breaking up that makes for legal cases. So today, I just want to get right to it. This is about the question of stealing marital money, stealing marital money. There's a word or a term for that in the law. It's called dissipation of assets. Yes, dissipation. Okay, well, I don't have to use that big word, but you get the gist of it. Husband and wife are married or husband and husband or wife and wife, and there's a breakup and one of them goes and takes out the money from the joint bank account. Is that right? Well, your answer might be probably not. But we're going to explore all of that here on this show today. So I want to just provide to begin with um, a little bit of information uh, about what happens around the country. I'm here in Maryland, Virginia, Washington, D.C., and I'm going to touch on what's happening, particularly the jurisdiction, the state of Maryland in the second half of the show But let's take a state like Iowa, okay? Did you know that in Iowa, when someone files for a divorce, the court automatically or on specific request of either party enters an asset preservation order, which restrains or prohibits either party from withdrawing, transferring, encumbering, borrowing against, or otherwise disposing of any money in checking accounts, saving accounts, retirement or pension accounts held 
individually or jointly with each other or jointly with any third party without court's prior approval or without prior written agreement of the parties. Except, don't you love it? There's always an except with the law, isn't there? Except for the purpose of paying routine household or business expenses, utility bills, other regular and normal monthly bills, or necessary and reasonable legal expense for purposes of obtaining representation in the divorce matter. Okay, so with that background, let's look at a couple of cases. We have a case in Maryland, because that's where I'm most familiar with, and uh, uh, I can share some of these things. Um, Again, just as a background, dissipation of marital property in Maryland occurs when one spouse uses the marital property for a benefit unrelated to the marriage, when the marriage is falling apart. In 2011, a couple had been married in 1998 for, I don't know, give or take, what is that, uh, you know, two decades. Oh, decade, 1911, 1998 to 2011. Okay, I'm a lawyer. I don't do math. Uh, They were divorced less than 10 years later. During the divorce, the wife filed a complaint claiming that all the property issues had been resolved. Well, not so fast, says the husband. Um, Not quite. He claimed that the wife had taken $80,000 of marital funds without his knowledge or approval while the divorce was pending, and they were not used for a family purpose. He claimed some of the funds were wired overseas, and he asked that the court order his wife to account for the funds and grant him a monetary award. All right, so what happens? At the hearing, the husband calls the wife to testify. Her testimony, she says, yeah, I opened two bank accounts that were only in my name. I also made withdrawals, that's right, of about $80,000. But she denied dissipating the marital funds, testifying she had spent the money on family uses, such as clothing, food, health insurance, rent, the car, uh, her kids' overseas expenses, and the babysitter. The court granted the divorce and denied the claim of dissipation. It found that the husband had not met his burden of showing the money was spent for the wife's own benefit or purpose, unrelated to marriage because the only evidence was the wife's testimony that the money had gone to family uses. A husband had not met what they called the threshold question. His attorney, of course, argued that the wife had not provided corroborating evidence, but the court stated that the wife's testimony under oath did not need to be corroborated. So the husband appeals, asking the appellate court to vacate that aspect of the judgment. The appellate court says, The dissipation can only occur when the marriage was not falling apart or the principal purpose of spending marital funds was something other than reducing the marital funds available for distribution through the divorce. That happens when one spouse takes funds without the other spouse agreeing to that taking. Okay, the court finally says the issue is whether the spouse takes the funds intended to defraud the other partner. 
part of the trial court's job is to equitably distribute marital property, and it can't distribute funds that have been taken or dissipated. It reasoned that what was most important was the purpose behind the wife spending the money. Trial court's factual findings had to be clearly erroneous to be reversed. Again, she says she used the money for family stuff. The husband argues the trial court had not followed the proper steps. It argued uh, that uh, he argues that he had presented what is called a prima facie case. That means the uh, enough there for a court to take notice and act on it. And therefore, the wife had to produce evidence to prove that her expenses were appropriate. Well, again, she did. She testified. The appellate court rejected the husband's argument, ruling that the burden of persuasion and the initial burden of production fell on the husband as the person alleging the dissipation. Simply showing that she took the money wasn't enough to show dissipation. So the husband proves that the funds are taken. He also has to prove what they were used for, and he didn't do that. Okay. He's out. Now, another case, um, pretty much the same principle in in Maryland. Here's a case uh, in 2019. A couple, PJ and IJ, were married in India in 1984 and filed for divorce in Maryland in 2013. The wife accused the husband of dissipating a large sum of money. The court agreed, finding the amount dissipated was $161,000, meaning that if the case is successfully brought uh, by the wife, that the husband would owe her half or $80,500. The evidence regarding the dissipation consisted of multiple very large withdrawals that the husband made from the marital bank account much of which he moved into a joint account that he shared with his daughter. The wife also had expert witness testimony from a certified public accountant, a CPA, right, who opined, uh, gave his opinion, that the husband had withdrawn that money, 161000 and cashier's checks from the couple's marital bank account starting about a week before the divorce and continuing for several months. So she brought the prima facie case, the evidence was there to be contested. That means the burden shifted to the husband. Now he had to prove that he used it for marital purposes. But his testimony, get this, I mean, scratching your head, only strengthened rather than defeated the wife's arguments. He admits that he spent much of the money at casinos and nightclubs. Dumb idiot. These husbands weren't, these these expenses obviously weren't marital purposes. So the trial judge was correct in finding that the husband dissipated the assets and ordered him to make a payment of $80,500 to his wife. Well, okay. You know, the problem is what we call draining, <laughs> draining the bowl, right? It, it's, it, is it fair? Of course not. Um, trying to take money out and blowing it at a casino or trying to hide it not the right way to go to someone that you've spent quality time with years and years. 
I'm going to come back after the break and I'm going to share with you the law in several states and what laws they have. And then I'm going to share with you what I'm going to call the sorry state of affairs right here in my backyard in Maryland. Don't go away. I'll be back soon. Well, how do you like your steak? Tim and Donna are suing Dante's Restaurant in St. Joseph, Missouri for medical expenses, counseling expenses, and punitive damages. They went uh, to the restaurant there and complained about their overcooked steak. The restaurant owner responded, according to them, by slapping the woman, Donna, in the face with a raw steak. They allege that as a result of the incident, this I love, their sex life has diminished by 75%. Now, their attorney, uh, the attorney for the restaurant, of course, denied the incident ever took place, claimed that the owner offered the couple free meals, free drinks, and two raw steaks to prepare at their home, but that he never hit them. Uh, Well, that lawsuit went bye-bye. Ah, how do you like your steak? We're back! Okay, so here is the second half of Stealing Marital Money on the Monday show of The Legal Merry-Go-Round, Marital Mondays. Avoid the downs and savor the ups. Stealing marital money. Good idea? Nah, don't do that. Put it in a safe. Only you know the combination. Wait a minute. Can't draw interest in a safe, can it? All right. So we talked about a couple of cases, and I suggested that the state of Maryland is an Asari state in this regard with this topic area. I'm going to get to that in just a few. Uh, But I want to just go around the country a little bit and share what some of the other states are doing to give you a perspective as to why my opinion, and that shared by many uh, family law practitioners in the state of Maryland, uh, agree that Maryland needs to step up its game. So California has a law uh, that there is an automatic restraining order that goes into effect against the petitioner when the petition for divorce is filed. That's right. I file a divorce and there's an immediate order against me. And also it goes into effect against the respondent. So I file for a divorce. And as soon as the respondent gets the summons in the petition, uh, the order goes against that person. The Both parties have restraining orders uh, w- when uh, the papers are filed. The automatic restraining orders are printed on the back of the summons. So these orders prohibit the parties from taking marital money. Um, many uh, of the references in this topic, in this field, talk about the concept, which all of you might understand, taking the horse out of the barn. It prevents taking the horse out of the barn because once the horse is out of the barn, of course, you can get on it and ride away. And well, the analogy, of course, to the money, you know, once it's out, you can spend it, it's gone. Um, the, the next court, uh, 
in Arizona uh, allows for the the statute that's been upheld there uh, upon issuance of the summons, an injunction uh, is like a bankruptcy to preserve assets. So if you've had this situation or you know of others who have in a bankruptcy filing, you're not allowed to go out and spend assets now. Let's say you owe $100,000 and you only have $30,000 in your bank, you file bankruptcy, you're immediately prohibited from taking that $30,000 and spending it frivolously or in any manner for that most for the, and in, in really in any manner because the, the individuals that you already owe the $100,000 to should be able to get a proportionate share uh, of that $30,000 that you owe in my example. So in the marital domain, it's much the same in Arizona, um, much like a bankruptcy petition, an injunction is issued to preserve assets. No expenditures are allowed except for normal everyday items. Um, They even reference that you can't terminate insurance policies and use money uh, that you might get if they are cash surrender policies property can't be removed from the marital home. A good law out in Arizona. Let me share with you their statute. I think reading parts of this statute is is very uh, very interesting and very uh, uh, very much in line with what you'd hope it would be. In all actions for divorce, for legal separation or for annulment, the clerk of the court shall pursuant to order, issue a preliminary injunction in the following manner. The preliminary injunction shall be directed to each party and contain the following orders. One, both parties are prohibited from transferring, encumbering, concealing, selling, or otherwise disposing of any of the joint common or community property of the parties, except if related to the usual course of business, the necessities of light, of life or court fees and reasonable attorney's fees associated with an action filed under this article without the written consent of the parties or permission of the court. Both parties are prohibited from molesting, harassing, disturbing the peace, or of committing an assault or battery on the person of the other or of any natural or adopted child of the parties. Well, that's far reaching and that's a great idea. It's even going beyond the money stuff. Uh, removing natural or adopted children then residing in Arizona from the jurisdiction of the court without the prior written consent of the parties or the permission of the court. Great. So you're in Arizona, you're filing for divorce, you get an immediate order that you can't take the kids out of state. Removing or causing to be removed the other party or the children of the parties from an existing insurance coverage, including medical, hospital, dental, automobile, or disability insurance. Very comprehensive. I'm loving this. The second idea in Arizona in their law, the preliminary injunction shall include the following statement. I love this. You ready? It's a warning. It says in bold lettering, this is an official court order. If you disobey this order, the court may find you in contempt of court. You may also be arrested and prosecuted for the crime of interfering with judicial proceedings and any other crime you may have committed in disobeying this order, you or your spouse may file a certified copy of this order 
with the local law enforcement agency. A certified copy may be obtained from the clerk of the court that issued this order. If you're the person that brought this action, you must file evidence with the law enforcement agency that this order was served on your spouse. This court order is effective until a final decree of dissolution, divorce, legal separation, or annulment is filed or the action is dismissed. Great stuff in Arizona. Stand up and applaud. Okay, and so the only thing there is you got to prove to law enforcement that your spouse, the, the, the other side of the case, that they got this notice. Love it. Okay, Ohio has a statute very similar to that in Arizona. Colorado, automatic injunction, no transfer, encumbering, concealing, or disposing of marital property other than for necessities. Tennessee, Oklahoma, and Delaware, also automatic injunctions, very similar to Arizona. All right, so now let's get to Maryland. Okay, hang your head, Maryland. This is, they're behind the eight ball. Um, A bill was actually uh, introduced into the legislature in 2016. It was met uh, with, and the bill was, of course, to have this automatic injunction process to prohibit uh, the horse from leaving the barn, okay? I mean, so I want to make sure everybody understands that. The bill was met with testimony in opposition from advocates for the Legal Services and Domestic Violence Victims Group who believe it did not address their particular concerns adequately. Okay, truth be told, I was not sitting in that hearing, so I didn't hear any of that opposition, but I'm imagining that domestic violence victims taking money, uh, using it for their own protection um, was the concern, and I think that's okay, actually. Um, At that hearing, the private bar, that is attorneys who practice family law, domestic relations law, uh, they neither advocated nor opposed the bill. Uh, perhaps preferring what was called the status quo. The testimony, again, in favor of the bill included the concepts of not letting the horse out of the barn. Um, The bill commentators at the time suggested would not eliminate the need to bring emergency motions if something like that happened, but simply would have clarified guidelines that exist. Mostly, uh, the attorneys who practice criminal law, not criminal law, excuse me, uh, the uh, marital law, domestic relations law, divorce law, uh, believe Maryland is is behind the curve. If an automatic injunction were to become law, there'd be a whole lot less game playing and positioning. Maryland should adopt one of these other states' laws. Um I I agree. I don't practice domestic relations law. I'm able to talk about these things here on this podcast because I'm a lawyer. I'm doing this for 40 years. I understand these things. It's just not my chosen field to do that type of work. But nonetheless, I, I have opinions and you get to hear them. I think it's a shame here in Maryland. The courts, from what is going on, appear really not to care. By the time you're able to get a hearing on whatever you need relief for, Again, using that expression, the horse horse has not only left the barn, but the farm too. 
the cost to clients can be staggering. Um, child absconding cases, you know, easily ten, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars, and having to hire lawyers in two different states. Um, it's a it's a very bad thing. I mean, you know, again, I mean, I don't want to sound you know just base and, and elementary here, but you have two people who get together, they're in love, they get married, they build up a family, they build up a home, and they hopefully are building up assets. And then the the marriage starts to crumble, and one of them just goes and takes the money. I mean, that's just wrong. You know, taking the money, okay, because I have to eat, I have to pay rent, I get it. But this is the kind of thing that should be discussed, and it shouldn't be done behind the back. I hope that you're in a loving relationship. I hope that you have a great spouse. I hope that, uh, like I always say on the legal merry-go-round beginnings, that you avoid the downs and savor the ups. Honesty and integrity carry the day no matter where you are, no matter who you are, no matter what you're doing, and no matter how you want to try and do it. Please abide by that. That way you do avoid the downs and savor the ups. Today, again, was Marital Mondays. I'm looking forward to having your ear again on Wrongdoer Wednesdays in two days from now so you can hear a very, very interesting story. I'll look forward to seeing you then, and thanks so much for listening. Thanks for listening to The Legal Merry-Go-Round. We hope you enjoyed our show. Tune in next time to get a better understanding of real-life legal situations. 